And a good morning and welcome to the Mecco Sports Talk. I'm your host, Keith Dewar, for this Sunday, January the 16th, 2022. As we get you set for the three wildcard games today and then one more tomorrow night. Yesterday's games, well, the first game ended up being quite an interesting game. Uh, although, if you're a Raiders fan today, you probably feel like you got hosed a bit, I'm sure, uh, with a lot of penalties three-on-one drive, all holding calls. Uh, the the play, of course, where they thought that Burrow went out of bounds, and it turns out that he wasn't out of bounds. The officials uh, blew the whistle, basically, right before the ball was caught for a touchdown, and that was basically the difference in the game right there. Now they're saying the officiating crew that did the game yesterday will not uh, be a part of any other postseason game and they should be doing this more because, quite frankly, we know what the officiating is like in the NFL. It's a friggin' joke. It's a joke and a half. So, in any case, if you want to listen to the podcast, you can follow me on Spotify, of course. You can follow me uh, on Facebook. You could also check me out on Instagram at the Mecca Sports Talk. And you could, of course, Google the Mecca Sports Talk and you'll find all my episodes there. Uh, you know, yesterday I, I had predicted... 34-24 Cincinnati, which, I mean, they did cover because it was a six-point spread. Five and a half or six were, depending on where you looked. Uh, so the Bengals were able to pull out that game, win their first postseason game in 31 years. I mean, how would you feel to be a fan of a franchise that you have not seen a single playoff win in over three decades? Three decades! No postseason win. I mean, now the uh, now basically the Lions, uh, their last postseason win was, I believe, in the divisional round against Dallas in 1992. So, well, before they got destroyed by the Redskins uh, in the NFC Championship game. But regardless of that, I mean, now, as I said, I mean, 31 years and no postseason wins. That's a long, long time. You know, and as for crazy as us Giant fans or Jet fans have been over the last many years for the ineptitude of both franchises, at least we've seen postseason victories in the last several years, or at least in the last, you know, decade or so, roughly. I mean, the Jets' last postseason appearance was 2010, where they got to the AFC Championship game for the second consecutive year. The Giants, as we know, their last postseason win was Super Bowl forty six, which is now basically 10 years ago. So right now, you know, the Bengals, hey, look, Burrow we know is a really good quarterback, and they got nothing out of Higgins yesterday at wide receiver. I mean, he wasn't really targeted all that much, and he's also got a bum ankle right now. But the Bengals, you know, they can pretty much do what they want offensively. They could do what they want. I mean, they... Chase is unbelievable at wide receiver. You know, they got a big contribution yesterday out of uh, Uzoma at tight end. And they came up with the big play at the end to close out the victory over the Raiders. And let's give credit to the Raiders. You know, the Raiders definitely deserve credit. I mean, they, they fought tooth and nail just to get into the playoffs. Overtime win, or excuse me, a last second win against uh, Indianapolis on the road. They had several of these type of games throughout the season, six of them, in fact. We know what happened in the Chargers game. So, 
you know, they, they fought valiantly yesterday. The officiating obviously what is what it is. But at the same time, they gave themselves a chance, at least at the end of the game, to get the tying score, which they weren't able to do so. So Cincinnati moves on. And the way things are playing out right now, I mean, barring a um, crazy upset today in Kansas City, you're going to be seeing the Chiefs in Buffalo from Kansas City next week, which will be must-see TV. And you would also then see Cincinnati travel to Tennessee to play the Titans. And quite frankly, I think what the way things are looking right now, I mean, Tennessee is a very vulnerable number one seed. So I would definitely like Cincinnati in that matchup next weekend from Tennessee. But as far as the Buffalo game goes last night, I mean, look, the Bills, when you score seven touchdowns in a row, no punts, no field goals, no turnovers. I think you're going to be on the winning side of the uh, the field at the end of the day. And that's exactly what they did last night. Now, I don't think anybody expected 47-17 to against New England with their defense the way it's been for most of the year. Now, I understand that New England's defense tailed off towards the end. They lost three of the last four games. They struggled a bit. They lost in Miami the final week. Not that the game really meant anything at the end of the day. It was just for, for positional seating. But, uh, you know, Mac Jones, he didn't play horrible last night. It's just that the defense just got totally pulverized by Buffalo. And right now, you look at the Bills, you know, and, they, and they struggled last week. That's the funny part. They struggled for most of that game against the Jets last week in a game they had to win to win the division. And until about 10, 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter, it was a 13-10 game. So, say, say, say for what it is, Buffalo finally showed last night, for the first time probably the entire season, on both sides of the football, that they played, they, they, they saved their best for that game last night. Plain and simple. The offense was clicking on all cylinders. Singletary had a nice game for them. Obviously, the early big run by Allen uh, for about 30-something yards right away. I mean, that basically set the tone for the game. And then that great interception also on the first possession by Hyde in the end zone on a ball that looked like it was going to be caught by uh, Aguilar, but a great catch by, by Hyde in the end zone. And ultimately, that was the game right there. I mean, you could have shut your TVs off right there. It was already, I mean, it was a scoreless game. New England was about to get at least a field goal, if not a touchdown. And that great defensive play basically, as I said, set the tone. And New England just had no chance. And, you know, give credit where credit's due. I mean, New England, this was supposed to be a... A year of, well, I wouldn't say transition necessarily, but you just didn't know really what to expect from them because they gave the reins to Mac Jones right away. And Mac Jones obviously has work to do to get better. He also needs a number one wide receiver because they don't have one on that team. You know, they they went and signed a bunch of free agents last offseason to shore up the defense, which they most definitely did. The problem is offensively, you just don't have that go-to guy 
in New England right now. You don't. So they got to figure out how to uh, find themselves a bona fide wide receiver or tight end or even a running back to basically complement what they got. Because right now, you know, they're limited offensively. They weren't going to get into a shootout with Buffalo last night. There was no way in heck that was going to happen. When you see Buffalo clicking like that, they could beat anybody in the NFL, period. It doesn't matter who they play. Top to bottom, between Allen and obviously the wide receiving core that they have, and they have three, they have four good wide receivers, plus you have Knox, who had two touchdowns as a tight end last night. They got a good offensive line. If Singletary runs the ball like he did last night, Buffalo's going to be pretty much impossible to beat. Now, with that being said, today's game, Kansas City and Pittsburgh, again, as I said, barring a huge upset, You're going to be seeing Buffalo travel in the KC next week. And we know what happened in their matchup earlier in the year on Monday night, where Buffalo basically took it to KC. I mean, they took it behind the woodshed and basically kicked their their rear ends in. So will that happen again? We'll see. I don't know which way I'll necessarily go with that pick next week, if that's what it is. But as of right now, Buffalo, I mean, they were given four or four and a half last night. Well, that... That ended really quickly, didn't it? A 30-point win for the Bills. And obviously the Buffalo fans have been craving for postseason football with them physically there because last year you had basically about 5,000 fans there to watch the games, the two postseason games they had in Buffalo. But now they had a full house last night for the first time since 1996. And they just beat the living heck out of the Patriots. And obviously... A lot of people are happy to see that. You know, they see the old guard, you know, Belichick get his rear end kicked in and, you know, the new breed kind of coming in and and setting the tone, which is what Buffalo exactly did exactly last night. They set the tone right away and they said, you know what? The old guard is out and the new guard is in. And that's exactly what they did. So Buffalo, we'll see who they end up playing next week, depend on the uh, results of the KC game today, which I'll get to that in a second. Um, also, you know, just talking about the AFC picture in general, what happened to the Colts? What happened to the Colts? You know, nobody, somebody sent a tweet out. They said that they went from a team that nobody wanted to play to a team that nobody is going to play. In a matter of two weeks. A team nobody wanted to play to a team nobody is going to play. I mean, it's it's amazing. You know, Jonathan Taylor had an unbelievable season. He's going to finish top five in MVP. But their biggest issue, as we know, is Carson Wentz. And what are they going to do in the offseason with regards to him? Or with regards to bringing in somebody else? At least a bona fide backup, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, right now... The jury is out with him. You know, he makes a lot of great plays, but he makes a lot of head-scratching plays, too, at the same time. And you really, if you're a Colts executive or a Colts coach right now, you don't really know what to to gather from what you've seen from Wentz. You know, the only good thing you could say 
is that he stayed healthy all year. Because we know his injury history. But at the same time, you you look at the Colts right now, you know, and they're set for the, the present. I mean, they got good wide receivers. They got a great offensive line. They got Taylor in the backfield. But you need that quarterback. You know, and if you look around the league, every division, maybe with the exception you can make an argument, the NFC West, but every division you look around, the best quarterback in that division won the division, was the lead, the uh, the quarterback leading that team to the division title. Prescott in the NFC East. Aaron Rodgers in the NFC North. Tom Brady in the NFC South. The West, you can argue Stafford or Kyler Murray. Murray missed some time. Okay, fine. You want to say Stafford? Okay. For me, I'm taking Murray over Stafford. You know, the AFC, Josh Allen, obviously, in the East. The North, yeah, if Lamar Jackson's healthy, maybe, but that didn't happen. And we see what Joe Burrow's all about, and he's pretty darn good. The South, I mean, Tannehill, yeah, I mean, that division has crummy quarterbacks. He's the best of the worst, if you want to call it that. I know he doesn't get a lot of credit, but I'm not a believer in him at all. I know, and then a lot of people are in the same boat as me when it comes to that. And Mahomes in the AFC West. So you need the quarterback. You need a quarterback, period. And is Wentz the answer in Indianapolis? To me, it's there's just so many question marks with regards to him that how could you really make that argument definitively right now that he's your guy in Indianapolis? I, I just don't think so. But when it comes to what's happened this week, also, as we know, Giants got rid of Joe Judge. The Giants got rid of Gettleman. Obviously, great news if you're a Giants fan. But we need some continuity. And we need it fast with this team. You know, do, I, do we have faith in Mara and the ownership group to bring in a competent GM and a competent Head coach? And what the heck is Miami doing? Getting rid of Brian Flores. I know they had issues with the you know the assistants and this and that. But how do you get rid of that guy? They were one in seven. They finished above five hundred. They finished nine and eight. And that team isn't blessed with a boatload of talent. I mean, is, is two of the answer in Miami as, as a long term quarterback? I heck I don't think so. And they still win 9-8. and eight. They still managed to finish above 500. In a competitive division, no less, with New England and Buffalo. So I don't know what Miami's doing. I, you know, quite frankly, that was a dumb move getting rid of Flores. And if I'm the Giants, I'm looking at him right away as a, po- a possibility. You know, the other places, Minnesota, Chicago, Houston. Houston was a bit of a surprise because they let the go the coach go after one year. I don't think that's fair because we knew Houston was going to be terrible without Watson, the quarterback. They still managed to get a couple of big wins. They won in Tennessee. They won at home against the Chargers. So, you know, that seems to me like just basically getting rid of the guy for the sake of getting rid of him. Uh, you know, one year they gave him, I, I just, you know. I think that's uh, that was not good at all. 
Now, if they go out and get a bona fide head coach, they go and get Flores, they want to go get Harbaugh, I don't know, whoever it is, fine. But they're going to stink too next year. They're not getting Watson back. Watson now wants to be traded supposedly to, to the Giants. I'll take that right now as long as his litigation situation is taken care of. We'll give up less for him than we would for Russell Wilson. But regardless, happy the Giants got rid of Judge. Obviously get him in retiring on his own terms, whatever. I don't care. He's gone. That's all I care about. But right now, you look around the league, and from a Giants standpoint, they've got to figure out a way to get somebody in here. If you keep in Daniel Jones, you've got to bring in somebody that can unleash whatever talent that he has in him. Because right now, as we've seen for the last couple of years, and and the biggest thing is obviously his health, like we were talking about with Carson Wentz. Same thing with Daniel Jones. He's hurt every year. So he needs to stay in the field so they can at least see what they have. But still, when you have guys that are dogging it like Galladay, or you have a guy like Shepard who can't stay on the field, or Tony who can't stay on the field, or Angram who either can't stay in the field or sucks complete ass on the field. You know, they, they got, as we know, they've got massive holes. They said it the other day on Facebook, talking about they got rid of Gettleman and Judge. Now they just got to upgrade about 18 positions and they'll be all right. But just imagine that. They got, they got to do that much revamping of this team. Total incompetence from day one that they brought Gettleman in here. You know, Solder signing was terrible. Galladay signing was terrible. So they, they've got a ton of work to do. Now, as far as the games go today, a couple, uh, couple of quick points before I get to my picks. Uh, you know, a lot of people are obviously anointing Kansas City already, you know, to win by 20, 30 points tonight. And with good reason, you know, Pittsburgh snuck in the back door to get in the playoffs. And now they're supposed to get uh, Juju Schuster back tonight for the game in KC. But Pittsburgh's only chance to win this game tonight is you're going to have to get a lot of pressure on Mahomes. If they don't get any pressure on Mahomes... It's game over, period. And that means T.J. Watt's going to have to have like a three-sack game. They're going to have to get themselves a massive amount of pressure on Mahomes and make him uncomfortable and make him force him into making mistakes. Because if they don't, it will be a 20-30 point game. And obviously KC is going to make sure that they double Watt a whole lot and make sure that they cannot... Make sure he cannot beat them. You know, of course, Pittsburgh's going to need to score some points, too. And really, with their offense the way it is, I mean, Roethlisberger can't throw the football anymore. So you're going to need Najee Harris, who's banged up himself, to have a big game. They're going to have to control the ground game, keep Casey's offense off the field. 
but we'll see how that goes. I'm not, I'm not too faithful in in uh, to have too much faith in Pittsburgh at this point. I haven't had much faith in them in weeks, but here they are in the playoffs. And what does that say about Mike Tomlin, one of the best of the best in the NFL as far as head coaches go? The Dallas game again. Interesting to see how this plays out today. It's only a three-point spread. The first game of the day, we've seen the line move a bit now. Philadelphia's now about a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. It was about nine, nine-and-a-half originally. So a lot of money's obviously going in, in the direction of Philadelphia. The weather was supposed to be a little bit of a factor there, but it's looking like the weather's going to clear up now for game time. So Tampa Bay, who, as we know, have their fair share of injuries, we're going to see how that plays out this this afternoon in the 1 o'clock game. Tomorrow night, as we know, Arizona and the Rams, who have their rubber match, both teams winning on the road this year. Uh, Murray is healthy, ready to go. Uh, I don't know about Hopkins' situation, but obviously they need him healthy or at least close to healthy, to have any really any realistic chance of winning tomorrow night in, uh, in L.A. against the Rams at SoFi Stadium. So, here we go with my picks. I was 2-0 yesterday. For the regular season, I was 61-62-4. Unfortunately, another 4-3 week in Week 18 left me under 500 for the season. But for, uh, for the playoffs so far, 2-0... And here we go with my three picks for today and one more for tomorrow as we kick things off for the Sunday games on Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. All right. So, so game number one today, Philadelphia... Traveling down to the big sombrero in Tampa to face the Bucks, the world champion Bucks. So I'm going to keep the spread at what it was a couple of days ago, which was eight and a half. I'm going to keep it at that number for right now because I know the number, as I said, has gone down to seven and a half. So it seems like a lot of people are on the Philly bandwagon. And again, Philadelphia has the number one rushing attack in the NFL. And we know that, of course, in a similar situation with Pittsburgh and Kansas City tonight, if you look at this game uh, from Philadelphia's standpoint, they have got to make some big plays, some trickery, some whatever you want to call it. they got to keep Tom Brady and company off the field. We know Tampa's secondary is a little bit vulnerable. And Tampa's front four has not played quite up to the level that we saw, especially in the Super Bowl last year against Kansas City, or in the playoffs last year in general. But I think right now, you look at this game today, can Philly hang in there? Yes, they can. Are they going to cover? For me, I don't think so. I I think Tampa's going to cover this game. Now, I'm not saying they're going to destroy Philly today. They did play in Philadelphia earlier in the year, and... Tampa did not play that great of a game. Philly hung around, hung around, hung around. They ultimately lost. But Tampa, we know that with the Godwin injury, with Antonio Brown's antics, uh, you know, they've got them. And Fournette is out again today. 
So they've got obviously three big people not in the lineup. With that being said, though, they still have Mike Evans. They still have Gronkowski. And, you know, you can't double both of them. So what is Tampa going to do ultimately today? I think you're going to see a heavy, heavy dose of Gronkowski today. I think you're going to see, you know, eight catches, 120 yards, something outrageous, at least even for him at this stage of his career. I think they're going to go heavy duty with him today for Tampa Bay. On Philadelphia's side of the ball offensively, look, they're getting Miles Sanders back. He's going to have to obviously run the ball like crazy. They're going to have to run the ball like crazy as a team, period. Keep the ball on, keep the ball away from Tampa and make sure that obviously they get the they get 35 minutes of ball possession, whatever you want to call it. And ultimately that's going to decide the game. If Philadelphia controls the clock, controls the ball, they got themselves a shot to not only cover but to win. But at the end of the day, I don't see Tom Brady losing a wild card game at home to Philly. I just don't see it. So I, with that, I'm going to take Tampa Bay in game number one today, winning by a score of 31 to 20. 31-20, 31-21, something along those lines. Tampa's going to still score points regardless. And I, I again, Jalen Hurts... Not great with his accuracy. Not great, basically. And they don't. And their wide receiving core, it is what it is. So I, again, I, I'm going to take Tampa Bay by double digits today in game number one down in Tampa Bay. Game number two, the four o'clock game, four thirty game, San Francisco and Dallas. I've gone back and forth all week with this game. San Francisco's getting three uh, in Big D. And I know that obviously the 49ers offense, which is very complex, they have a very complex running game that is, and they use a variety of guys. They use wide receivers there. They use Elijah Mitchell Mitchell obviously there. They're going to need to do a whole bunch of that to keep the high-powered Dallas offense off the field. We know Dallas lost Gallup last week, which was a big injury, obviously, for uh, for the Cowgirls. Uh, You know, Prescott who's looked pretty darn good in general. Now, the thing is, against a good team, he has not been that great. And the Dallas offense has not been that great in games against good teams, playoff caliber teams. But for me, and I know that, and I know everything seems to sway to, in the direction of San Francisco today, but I'm on the other side of the uh, the aisle on this one. I, I like Dallas. I like Dallas in this game. I just think that with that offensive line combined, obviously, with Elliott and Pollard in the backfield, you still have Cooper, you still have Schultz, you still have C.D. Lamb. They still got plenty of talent, obviously, even with the loss of Gallup, and that's a big loss. But I think right now you look at you look at this team up and down against San Francisco. And, I mean, again, Garoppolo. You really have faith in Garoppolo? I know he led them on the comeback the other day against the the Rams to get them in the playoffs. 
Even so, with that said, again, I am not, I'm not a believer in Garoppolo. I'm just not. And ultimately, it's going to come down to him having to do something today in order to lead the 49ers to the divisional round. I just don't see it happening. I think Dallas, we know they're going to basically gun for the 49ers, stack it heavy up front, and attack the 49ers running game defensively. I think that's crystal clear what they're going to do today. They have to do that. And it's going to then fall in the arms or on the right hand and right arm of Garoppolo. And Garoppolo still has a thumb injury. He's not 100%. And I think this is going to be kind of a track meet today in Dallas. And I don't think the 49ers have enough offensively to keep up. So I'm going to take Dallas winning this game today by a score of 34 to 23 at home. So give me, give me, I'm going to go on the other side of things. I know Dallas is favored, this and that. You know, neutral field, you would probably call this a pick em type of game, but I just like Dallas. I like them better than San Francisco top to bottom. So for everybody who kind of wants to get on the Cowgirls, like they haven't beat anybody and this and that, yeah, that's, that's fact. That's true. San Francisco's top 10 in a lot of statistical categories too. Absolutely. Those are all facts, but the fact is Dallas, to me, I'll take Prescott over Garoppolo. And I think ultimately, right now, Dallas just has too much firepower. So I'm going to take them to beat San Francisco today. 34-23, game number two. Game number three tonight, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Kansas City's given 12.5, which is a huge number. And again, as I discussed before, Pittsburgh's only chance to win this game is really with a couple of things in mind. T.J. Watt has to have the game of his life today, number one. Number two, you're going to need that Pittsburgh defense in general to force a couple of turnovers, at least a handful, two, at least two or three minimum. You know, they're going to need a big play, a, a fumble maybe by Williams in the backfield or Tyreek Hill puts the ball on the ground somehow. They've got to find ways to force turnovers tonight to have any chance because that offense, despite getting Schuster back, again, they don't have enough. They just don't have enough offensively. Najee Harris is going to have to have a big game today. You're just asking for a lot, though, ultimately. This is why the spread is 12 and a half. And I think Kansas City will cover the spread today. They blew out Pittsburgh earlier in the year. And when you look at the personnel in Pittsburgh to match it up against Kansas City, it's just no contest. It's no contest. So I'm going to take Kansas City winning this game by at least 20. So give me Kansas City winning this game by a score of 34-13 to over Pittsburgh in game number three. So, tomorrow night, Arizona and the Rams. Now, the spread has fluctuated between 3.5 and and 4. I'm going to keep it at 3.5 for right now, which is what I picked on a couple of other sites. Uh, But I'm going to take the Cardinals tomorrow night. I'm going to take the Cardinals to cover the spread in in L.A. at SoFi Stadium. And And I just think, look, Stafford has no playoff wins in his career. 
And we know that the Rams have gone, you know, all in, so to speak. Getting Beckham, getting Von Miller, you name it. They went out and got, and they, they, now they're bringing uh, Eric Weddle back too. So I, I just, you know, at the end of the day, look, you got right now two teams that you have a lot of questions about. You know, Arizona, again, as we know, I mean, Connor is questionable right now. Tomorrow night, he's got ribbon. He's got a rib issue. Chase Edmonds has a rib issue. He may not play tomorrow. So, you know, right now, you look at this team offensively and you say, wow, you know, are they going to have any shot in this game tomorrow night? I still think they will, though. I really still think they will because at the end of the day, I don't like Stafford in a big spot to do much of anything. You know, he, he's very volatile, as we know. He makes too many mistakes. And ultimately, when you look at this game tomorrow, it's going to come down to who can make the big play at the end of the game, who can make the big play, the big run, whatever you want to call it. I, I, Kylo Murray, to me, I trust more than, than Matthew Stafford. I just do. If I if you put in fact you put Kylo Murray on the Rams, I think they go to the Super Bowl. That's how much confidence I have in 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 Murray. You know, you give him those weapons and and whatnot. I to me, I, I've taken him. I'm taking him in a heartbeat over Matthew Stafford. So now, are they gonna outright win this game tomorrow, Arizona? I'm gonna pick them in an upset. Or, you know, mini upset, whatever you want to say. You know, they're getting three and a half. I think they'll cover number one. And I think number two, I think they're going to have the ball last tomorrow. And I think they kick that wheel, that game-winning field goal to propel them to victory. They already have the victory in, in, in SoFi Stadium earlier in the year, which was domination. And, yes, they did lose it home to the Rams later in the season. But I'm taking the guy that I'm more confident in at quarterback, and that's Kyler Murray. So I'm going to take the the Cardinals in a mini upset tomorrow, winning the game late, 30-27. to And the Cardinals will move on to Green Bay to face the Packers, while you'll have the Bucks and Dallas in a rematch from opening night. Down in Tampa, AFC, you're going to have... Buffalo traveling to Kansas City, which will be the marquee matchup next week. And, of course, you'll have Cincinnati and Tennessee in the the other AFC divisional matchup for next weekend. So, we'll see how it goes. So, I'm to recap my picks. I'm taking, as I said, Tampa Bay minus 8.5 at home against the Eagles. Give me Dallas minus three against the 49ers at home. Kansas City minus 12 and a half at home against Pittsburgh. And Arizona plus three and a half in LA against the Rams tomorrow night on Super to end Super Wildcard weekend. Now, before I go, I know the Knicks made a big move. Well, actually, before I even talk about them, Durant suffered a uh, knee sprain. He's going to be out four to six weeks for the Nets. And what is going on with the Nets? You know, I understand all this with with Kyrie Irving. He's playing on the road. He's not playing at home. 
So there's the continuity is lacking and this and that. But they've had a weird week. They they played at home last weekend against the Spurs, won in overtime against an undermanned Spurs team. The next night, now I understand it was a long travel. They had to go out west and play Portland. And they had no Harden. But they did have Kyrie in the lineup. Portland had no McCollum. Portland had no Lillard in the lineup. And yet, Portland won the game. Then the Nets come back east. And they head to the Windy City to play Chicago. The number one seed in the east. And they absolutely obliterated the Bulls. Obliterated them in Chicago. Totally destroyed them in the third and fourth quarter. It was 71-71, and then the Nets went on a 42-8 run, which was insanity. Now, after that, they lay an egg at home against Oklahoma City. Now, how do you do that? Now, last night they whipped New Orleans, and they lost Durant to the knee injury. But this team is so topsy-turvy right now. Now, come playoff time, hey, look, if they got everybody, if Kyrie either gets vaccinated or, you know, he just plays the road games as it is, then we'll see how it goes. But right now, I mean, you look at this team, they are just so inconsistent. You scratch your head and you wonder, how could this team be this inconsistent? Now, speaking of inconsistency, look no further out west. Look at what the Lakers are doing right now. They can't get out of their own way. They lost by 37 last night to Denver on the road. And this team is just, I mean, I and I understand they're going to get Anthony Davis back soon, but this team needs a shakeup, a big-time shakeup. I'm not saying they're going to find a suitor for Russell Westbrook, but they got to figure something out because defensively they are night and day compared to when they won the championship. Compared to now? I mean, they've gone from one of the better teams, statistically speaking, on defense to one of the worst. And to give up 130-something points to Denver, I mean, that's that's embarrassing. Totally embarrassing. And the Lakers are under 500, which is hard to believe. So you know they're going to probably do something. Ultimately, it might mean the head coach is gone, which is unfair, but... You know, the personnel they have right now is just not meshing well at all whatsoever. Now, in the Knicks' standpoint, they traded for Cam Reddish the other day. Very good move. I mean, you're trading a guy that had no, was never getting any playing time in Kevin Knox, who ended up being a bust. And you bring in a guy who's who could play three positions. He's 6'8", 7'1", wingspan. You know, I think there's definitely... Much more the Knicks can get out of him. Of course, now the question is going to become when he gets healthy, where are you playing him? How much are you playing him? Who's going to, whose minutes is he taking? I mean, you can't take away minutes from, from R.J. Barrett. You can't take away minutes really from, from Randall. You know, Evan Fournier is probably going to be, his minutes are going to get cut a bit. You figure... Something along the lines of Toppin's minutes are going to get cut a little bit, even though he is up, he's playing 15 minutes right now. So I don't know where they're going to necessarily find a ton of minutes for him. If they go smaller with that type of a lineup, depending on the team that they're playing, 
then you figure Reddish will get more time, maybe as a four or a five even. But I like the move because, hey, he's 22 years old. I still think there's a lot that they could get out of him overall. You know, they gave up a protected first-round pick, which is Charlotte's pick. That's not going to really be much of anything anyway. So I like the move from the Knicks standpoint. Are we talking they're going to be a top-five team in the East? No. You know, the Bulls now have no Zach Levine for a little bit. The Nets we know now with Durant. He's out four to six weeks. And look at the guy that's playing the best probably among anybody in the NBA right now. I mean, what a surprise, right? Giannis. Once again, playing at just a a level that very few ever get to for a game, let alone for 10 games or 20 games. And this guy just does it every night. It doesn't matter who he's playing. It doesn't matter if they double-team him. It doesn't matter if they triple-team him. It doesn't matter. He is unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And it's good, too, because, I mean, understandably, what kind of press would he get if he was in a big market? But he's in Milwaukee, which is obviously not a big market. But if he was in New York or L.A. or Boston or Philly... You can only imagine how much he'd be getting, you know, hoarded or harassed or whatever every second of the day. I mean, the endorsements and this and that would be through the roof. But he is he is a phenomenal, phenomenal player. It's, it's unbelievable to watch him play. And you scratch your head sometimes and say, how does he do it? Because he looks unorthodox out there sometimes, but he gets the job done. And the statistics prove it. Now, I don't know if Milwaukee's going to repeat this year. I mean, if I had to guess right now, I would say no. But they are the champs. And you know what? Ultimately, somebody's going to have to beat them. Whether it's the Nets. I don't think it's going to be the Bulls. You know, I think it still runs through Brooklyn. Sad, sadly, sad to say. But if they get their act together, if Durant comes back and he's healthy... If they get some continuity with Kyrie, you know, they, they get a couple of good rookies there in Brooklyn, too, that are giving them contributions. So, you know, Brooklyn's going to be fine one way or another. They just got to now get through this patch of, of games without without Durant and just hang in there. And ultimately, March, April, they'll be just fine. So that'll basically do it for today. I will be back on... After the playoff games, well, today and tomorrow, I'll be on hopefully around the middle of the week. Recap those, get you set for the divisional round next weekend. And, uh, you know, of course, hockey-wise, hey, the Rangers, another win last night in Philadelphia. They're just finding ways to win games. You know, they're it's not pretty, but they keep on winning. And obviously right now, they continue this. You know, they're going to be in the playoffs. I mean, if you look at the division right now, between Carolina, between the Rangers, the Caps, the Penguins, I mean, those are your four playoff teams, unless something drastically changes in the uh, Metropolitan Division. So, Shesterkin's back for the Rangers, playing well. Not an all-star, because he didn't play enough games, you know, but his statistics are among the best of anybody in the league right now. If If you want to put him up against anyone... 
He's right there, statistically speaking. So we'll see if he gets any consideration for the Vezina at the end of the year. If uh, it turns out that he plays enough games to substantiate that. But right now, if you're a Ranger fan, you got to be happy with what you see. So we'll see uh, how things play out going forward. Obviously, no Olympics for the NHL players. So the three, three and a half week period coming up that they were supposed to have off. They'll be making up a ton of games because of COVID, etc. So we'll see how that plays out. In any case, I will be back on, as I said, during the week. Everybody enjoy the Sunday football. And let's see if the Cowgirls pull one out today. Let's see if the chalk remains among the, the home teams between Kansas City, between Dallas, between Tampa, and then tomorrow night with the Rams. I think that's the only game tomorrow that we see a team that's an underdog win among the six this weekend. So everybody enjoy the games, and I will speak to you during the week.